0: amen well good morning to all of you and welcome once again to uh, to shine church we're so glad you're here if you're joining us online welcome we love you and just uh, you're glad you're participating with us um hey happy happy december everybody can you believe that even in 2020 december is still here and guess what's coming christmas is coming even in 2020 can i get a witness come on 20, even 2020 can't stop Christmas that is coming in, certainly as Pastor Dan was talking about, our celebration of the birth of our Savior, of the demonstration of our God's love for us. And so I'm super grateful to be uh, able to kick off our new uh, December and Christmas teaching series. And we are calling it, drum roll please, Ta-da! The Root of Jesse! And kind of some of you might be going, what in the world is the root of Jesse? Um, Have any of you guys heard of the Jesse tree? Okay. One faithful parishioner back over (laughs) the left. Good to have you guys with us. and Shauna, God bless you guys. Um, But yes, so most of us, that is something new. You guys probably can think back last Christmas. We had this fun idea of participating in another Christmas tradition called Advent. You guys remember that? We had that wall over there, we had all kinds of fabulous, fabulous prizes that you could win. Now, we're not like some of those other churches that copied our idea, and they're giving out like iPads and, you know, free cars, you know, Mercedes AMGs and stuff like that. We didn't quite go that far. But anyway, a lot of people have evidently loved that idea, heard about it, and are actually other churches are doing it this Christmas season, which we love, and we're so happy that it's getting out there. But we thought, hey, Advent counting down till Christmas, it's a great tradition that we can have as a family. The Jesse tree is actually a similar kind of tradition, much less known as you just witnessed. Now, maybe all of you at home were like, oh yeah, we do it every year, the Jesse tree, of course, but probably not. Uh, But it's another way of connecting with our kids if we have them or just as a family or, or even personally the the story of the birth of jesus to kind of the bigger redemption story in the bible right to kind of give it some context give it give it a place in our minds of of where does it fit what god has been doing through the ages and of His great love for us and so in a nutshell the jesse tree is the tradition where you can have a tree you could even buy it for you know 13.99 at uh, oriental trader now granted The quality is about a 17 on a scale of 500. But anyway, um, we tried it. But anyway, you can buy like a little felt tree and it has little decorations that you can put on it for each story of the Bible, even dating back to the Old Testament. And you can talk about David and Goliath and you can talk about Elijah the prophet and you can talk about Balaam and his donkey. You can talk about, you know, different... Parts of the story that that ultimately resulted in Jesus. And so if that's something, hey, you might want to consider doing, you could still get in quite a few days in December if you want to do that and get yourself a Jesse tree, do that with your family. If not, maybe another year. But that's kind of one of the traditions similar to Advent. It didn't start there, though. It actually, this tradition dates way back, like at least 800 years. I'm going to show you, there's some stained glass uh, windows in uh, places, o- older places in the world like Europe. And this particular one is from the um, the uh, a cathedral in... Are there any French speakers in the room? Thank God. Okay, I hope there's not at home. I'm going to give this a shot. The Cathedral of Chartres. Chartres. It's spelled... C-H-A-R-T-R-E-S, but anyway. But all that would say, you know, back in the medieval ages, before the printing press, before even a lot of people could read and write, they had to find creative ways to convey the stories of the Bible, to to disciple people, to help people understand the stories of Scripture and and God's plan. And so here is one of the uh, stained glasses. Now, this goes back, this cathedral was actually built in in 1200 AD, so like eight 100 years ago, I doubt this particular <laughs> uh, glass was there at that time, uh, when the knights and the crusaders and, you know, and the horses and stuff, but at some point it came uh, between, between then and now, but this is the very top of the stained glass, but no, guess who that is? It's kind of like in Sunday school, where they're like kids, you know, what has a bushy tail, jumps from tree to tree and eats nuts, and the little, you know, Johnny was like, well, I know the answer should be Jesus or God, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me, you know, <laughs> but this one, you're safe, who is this? Yes, Jesus right there. And then if you go down, sorry, this is a vertical stained glass. It's really tall. So if you go down from him, the next person down on that tree, kind of see those branches there? That was Virgin Mary. And a couple of random people from Scripture. I'm not sure. You could probably research who those people are. But again, other people whose stories intertwined with and led to the birth of the Savior. Go down. Now we're going to skip a couple because there's many different people that are included. But then next to the bottom pane, guess who this was? King David, yes. Good job, guys. That is King David. He's got his little crown on there. Again, some other people that are holding leather ropes and things. Very, very important to Scripture, and you need to know it for your salvation. So make sure you go research that. But at the very bottom, <laughs> at the very bottom one more pain down is this guy who's sleeping, or anyway, permanently sleeping, is Jesse. You guessed it. And he was, who was Jesse in the Bible? Mark, we're going to need some help. We haven't really taught him the word very much. So who's Jesse in the Bible? David's, actually David's father. David's father was Jesse. And kind of this no-name guy, we don't know very much about him. But it's interesting because this whole tradition of the tree of Jesse is actually rooted in a scripture in Isaiah chapter 11. And so, I want to read to you the first 10 verses of this because this scripture is going to form the basis of our series this Christmas time. And I believe that God has some incredible things that He wants us to see from this kind of like obscure scripture, right? I mean, normally we're used to like Luke chapter 2. In the days of Caesar Augustus, there was a census that went out in all the earth. And when you read it in a British accent, it sounds much more spiritual. It's just like when you sing a worship song in Australian English, like Hillsong. Bless the Lord, everyone. Let's just worship right? Don't you feel the anointing? Okay, sometimes you got to go back and read these things with a British accent. Anyway, but it's uh, Isaiah 11, and it's kind of more obscure, much less known, but I believe that God, it's a total Christmas scripture, and I believe that God's going to give us his uh, anointing to unpack it over the next few weeks, and to truly together grow in our excitement, in our anticipation, in our gratitude for the gift that is Jesus. So, uh, here we go. Uh, reading for the NIV, it says, "A shoot." "'Will come up from the stump of Jesse, "'and from his roots a branch will bear fruit.'" Ooh, there's a lot there, we're gonna come back to that. "'The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, "'the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, "'the spirit of counsel and of might, "'the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord.'" The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion, and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together. There's gonna be a quiz on these animals, which ones go together, so just pick (laughs) nubs. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand on the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse, here's this picture again of the root that flowed from David's father Jesse, will stand as a banner for the people's. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. God, I thank you for your word. Lord, your word is living and active. God, I thank you that you love us and you desire to speak to us right now. So Lord, collectively as your people, we make a choice to open our hearts. God, we make a choice to open our ears and open our eyes and just say, Lord, you haven't brought us here just to learn information. God, you're always in the business of transforming us and changing us from the inside out by your spirit. So we ask that you do that right now, and we place ourselves on your potter's wheel, Lord, change us, let us know you, let us see you in a new and fresh way, let us worship you in a more genuine way today, and let us be filled with, uh, with your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so what do we see in this passage? In Isaiah chapter 11, certainly it references the root of Jesse, and we're gonna talk about that, but bigger picture, I believe we see God pulling off the ultimate Christmas surprise. Have any of you ever tried to pull off a Christmas surprise? You're trying to surprise, you know, your, your spouse or your loved one or maybe your kids. You know, you knew what present they wanted, but, you know, you're trying to make it seem like, well, there's just no way it's not looking good this year, you know, and all of a sudden it's like Christmas morning and boom, there it is. I remember my favorite present growing up was this remote control 911 Porsche car. It was about, you know, this big, and it was before the days of radio remote control. This is, we had a cable. Guys, I'm totally dating myself here. This is so embarrassing. We literally had a cable from the car that went to the to the little handle. You know, we had to so you had to like walk behind the car. <laughs> that seems so weird in 2020, but at the time, it had like eight buttons on it. The lights blinked. It revved up. I mean, it was literally the lights came up. Uh, it was a stinking from back in the 80s. You know, it was amazing. All I'd say, my parents pulled up. What an incredible surprise! What an incredible joy! To be able to get that when it seemed impossible i believe god in this passage is showing us that he is the god who is able to pull off the most incredible surprise and he's able to bring life in a way that is completely unexpected as we began in the teaching team to talk about this passage we realized man unexpected is a theme that runs through for sure what i'm going to be speaking about today but i believe also this entire month i believe god wants us to get that word unexpected in our spirit Because our God is the God of the unexpected. He's not limited by our limitations. He's able to do things in ways that we can never even comprehend or even dare to believe. And I believe we see that here. So what, let's look at a couple of things that are unexpected in this passage. The first one is I believe we see an unexpected hope. We see an unexpected hope. If I were looking for life, I probably wouldn't look at it in a stump, right? You heard about the guy who was driving out in the country and he got lost and he stopped and he asked a farmer who was way out there. He's like, hey, can you give me directions? I'm trying to get to this and this place. And the guy thought about it. He's like, well, he had one of those hats, you know, with the mesh in the back. Well, so you wanted to get to uh, over over there? Yeah, over yonder? Okay. He says, well, you know, I got to be honest with you. If I were going there, I probably wouldn't start here. Maybe you'll get that on the way home. That was, that's all, that's it, guys. That's all the pastor joke I have. That was the pastor's joke for today. That's it, I apologize. Note to self, don't use that in the third service. We don't have a third service, okay. The point being, sometimes, you know, we think God, we think we have to get to a certain point for God to meet us. But God is able to meet us right where we are in unexpected ways. He doesn't require that we start at a certain point. We can start right where we are. And what, you know, what is a stump? Well, a stump is a tree that has been cut down, right? I bet if we went to wherever the Christmas tree uh, of the uh, Rockefeller building in New York, I bet if we went to where that tree was growing, we would find a fairly sizable stump. And the last place that I would expect to see a Christmas tree growing right now is right there at that stump. You agree? It is a place where it has been cut off It has been declared like, okay, that's it. Thank you so much. We're going to use this for over here. But the life stops here for this tree. This marks the end. And in this passage, we see right here, a shoot will come from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. I believe God is wanting us to know, you know what? There's times in our lives where we feel like our life is a stump. We feel like our hope has been chopped off. We feel like the, the ground has been swept out from under us and we've been cut down at the knees. And you know, it might be something different for every one of us. Maybe in 2020, you uh, lost your job. Or maybe the pressures of the quarantine have caused undue strife in your marriage. And, and it feels like, man, something has been, or maybe there's literally been a divorce In your life or maybe your kids are no longer speaking with you or maybe friendships have been cut off why because it's just hard when we can't hang out and have coffee together and go to a restaurant and you know have Thanksgiving together and do the the things that that nurture I don't know what it might be for you maybe it's a health situation man we found out yesterday that some dear friends of ours have a little child who has just been uh, diagnosed as being completely deaf. And if you can put yourself in their shoes for a minute, talk about a, a dream and a hope chopped off. Talk about a, a stump being left. Can you imagine, as a parent, like, what does this mean now? What does this mean, right? I mean, from the medical standpoint of, of checking for hearing aids to the cochlear implants, right? <laughs> we told him about you, Brandon. He works in that industry. Um, but, but then what does it mean with learning sign language? With I mean, can you imagine the, the friends, schooling, uh, support systems, hobbies, activities? I mean, as a parent, you're just like, my mind is blown. Everything I thought I kind of understood and knew about what their life was going to be like and what this tree was going to look like has been chopped down. And I believe God wants us to know that one of the unexpected things that he's able to do is he's able to bring life into the place that we just see a dead stump. And it's a place where we look around and we look at other people's lives and we go, wow, they got a tree growing and they've got a tree growing and look at their marriage and look at their finances and look at how good their kids and their whatever and their education and their romantic life and whatever it is. And I look at my life and I just see a dead stump. God wants you to know right now, he's able to bring life and he's able to cause a branch to grow from that dead stump and he did it that's exactly what he did in the person of Jesus back 2,000 years ago man the Israelites found themselves under the boot of Rome talk about their national hopes and dreams being crushed and being controlled by a foreign power talk about Second Amendment rights being taken away Woo. too soon too soon okay but I'm talking about even in that situation where Jesus came God said you know what even in this situation of feeling hopeless feeling like your dreams are crushed, I'm able to bring new life, and God wants to do that for you. What about this? Unexpected, we don't just see unexpected hope there, but we see unexpected gift, because it goes on to say this about Jesus, and of course we understand that that branch that grows from the stump, from the dead stump, is Jesus. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. I believe God wants us to understand that he came with a bag of goodies. What is Christmas without a bag of gifts, right? I mean, do we have to be less than 10 years old to appreciate Christmas gifts? I I don't. We have a little Christmas exchange thing going on at our home. We set the limit at $50, and we have this app on our phones that randomizes and nobody knows who got who, but you know, and you can post your little list there. But I found some really expensive slippers and I kind of was like, if you want to get me these slippers, I will subsidize them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're all Olukai, okay, sue me. <laughs> you get old enough and you want some fancy stuff in your life and so I want some Kai slippers. So I'm like, I will pay the difference. And Cami's like, you can't do that. I was like, I just did. The point being, Chris, gifts is something special about this time of year, isn't it? And whether you're a gift person and you love shopping around or whether you're not, but you just love, you know, I think most of us enjoy receiving a good gift. God wants us to know that there's unexpected gifts that came with Jesus, with the branch that bore fruit from the stump of Jesse. And here's what it really goes into is that the greatest gift is the spirit of God. The Spirit of God is incredible. Those, you don't have to go back to it, but in that stained glass window, there's a picture of Jesus and he had seven doves, little circles of doves, there it is, yeah. And those seven doves represent the sevenfold Spirit of God. And listen as I read this, and we're gonna have an interactive, I'm gonna warn you before we have interactive so you can start thinking about it. I'm going to be asking you in just a moment, which one of these aspects of God's Spirit do you really need right now? Which one do you really feel right now in 2020, December, your family, which one do you really feel, man, I really could use this as a gift from God? And then I'm actually going to give you an opportunity, if you're willing to be so vulnerable, if you're online and you want to type it in the chat notes, uh, Dan or, or someone will be, will be watching for that, and we may be able to, even able to incorporate that and allow you to share that way. But listen to what it says. The Spirit of the Lord... That's the first and foremost, just just him, just his presence, his spirit. But then it says this the spirit of wisdom, do you need wisdom and of understanding? Pastor Dan taught about understanding and the importance of what God does in our mind as we comprehend what he's doing. The spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, do you need counsel with a decision? And of might. Do you need strength in your life? Are you weary? Are you tired? Are you tired of 2020? Do you need some might from the spirit of God in your life? The spirit of the knowledge, and again, in the Bible, knowledge is very experiential knowledge, experiencing and knowing truly, and the fear of the Lord. Wow. Think about that just for a moment. I've got Brandon with a microphone. If you had to say, man, you know what? If I could be vulnerable, we're family, guys. There's nobody but here but us chickens, you know. But which one of those would you say, man, I if I could choose a gift, I'm going to choose one of those aspects of the sevenfold spirit of God. Who wants to be first? Would you be willing to share? Yeah, John. He's got you right back there. I think for our family, we're um, looking for might, mm. spirit of might. Mm-hmm. And can you just give us... Uh, with uh i lost my job in january so we're still unemployed we have four children small children <laughs> <laughs> cute kids. so might would be mm. might would be good yeah yeah renewed strength and might in the lord amen may god give that to you in jesus name bro thank you for sharing that somebody else what would it be for you if you could draw upon one of the aspects of the holy spirit as a gift it's tough to share and we don't want you to ever feel pressure obviously to share anything personal in your life but I do believe that there's value as we grow together as just being a family guys there's again it's just us so sometimes there's encouragement sometimes there's blessing that comes when we're willing to just say hey I could use a little bit of this oh back over there Daniel I think for me it'd be the spirit of counsel as I'm in some positions in my life where God has placed very clearly placed me in but I'm like, God, I don't know what to do. Like, it's not, it's more than just wisdom or knowledge or understanding, but like counsel, like, Lord, counsel me. What do I do mm-hmm. in these mm-hmm. situations? That's good. That's good. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody else? Anybody online? Chiming in. Feel free to chime in the, the chat field. All right. Maybe it's a, it's a good, just a thought to reflect upon later on in the day. That God is asking you, and He's He's wanting you to know, hey, I'm making available my Spirit to you. When Jesus came, here's the cool thing: it, this is 750 years before the birth of Jesus. We're already being told Jesus came, and God's objective for Him was not just to come as one person and kind of be that celebrity type person, right? Because we've all seen like celebrities come into a situation, and all the cameras are flashing, and the lights, and the you know the big, and all of a sudden they leave. And everything's kind of back to what it was, right? And Jesus is saying, hey, even as the son of God, when I come, that's not my objective, is to come to make a big splash and then just go back and leave things the way they were. I'm coming bearing gifts. My spirit, I'm going to give to you so that you can have that might that you need and you can have that counsel that you need and you can have wisdom and you can have just the spirit of the Lord, that intimacy with him, that friendship, and we can have the spirit of the fear of the Lord. How awesome is that? He wanted our lives to be permanently changed by his gift, and his greatest gift is the Spirit of God. And here's one thing. Did you guys catch the, um, uh, the phrase there where it said, he will delight in the fear of the Lord? Did anybody catch that? He will delight in the fear of the Lord. Now think about those two words. Delight, fear of the Lord. Does that seem like a weird combination to put together in a sentence? Delight and fear. I mean, normally, fear is probably not something we, we, we want, right? I mean, delight, I think we all understand. My wife and I were at a store in Parker called, what is it called, babe? Interior Delights. And uh, uh, and uh, so there's a store, and it has all these Christmas trinkets and decorations and stuff, and it was just wonderful. I mean, I loved it. She stayed outside. Gave me my time. But no, we walked through there and literally, you know, all these Christmas trees and metal tins and Coca-Cola things and just fun things, and we almost were safely outside the door. We reached for the door. We pushed outward. But something made my wife look back, and as she looked back, hanging from a ladder on the ceiling was a gray Christmas gnome (laughs) with long little legs and little boots at the bottom and a big, long cap and um and and she had to have it she had that because you know i don't know i guess gnomes or christmas gnomes are in this year who knew so now we have a fun little christmas gnome sitting next to our fireplace but the point being it was a place of delight it was a place of fun it was a place of joy right come on ladies anybody guys if you go into you know whatever the advanced auto parts i don't know what it is maybe maybe you're into interior delights that's okay too we don't judge anyway the point being delight is something that brings joy that brings gladness to our heart but here it's m- coupled with the fear of the lord he will delight jesus delighted in the fear of the lord and as we were looking as a staff this week about the fear of the lord and what that means you know fear is uh comes from a word uh from which we get phobia or it can mean terror it can mean you know angst it can mean a lot of sort of undesirable things but then as you look a little bit farther in the definition of fear in the Bible, it can also mean withdrawing because we feel we lack the resources to meet a certain challenge. Withdrawing, pulling back, because we lack the resources. Now think about that when it comes to the fear of the Lord. What does it mean? I think sometimes it's kind of like if we, uh, you know, you're uh, at the restaurant and somebody walks away with your fries and you're like, excuse me, you tap, excuse me, I think those are my fries. And then they stand up, excuse me, yeah. And you're like, oh, uh, no, I, you know what, I made a mistake. They're actually your fries. <laughs> In fact, this is your Coke. And I'm gonna go get you your hamburger. <laughs> Here it is, right? We all, all of a sudden deal with something unexpected, but here's the thing, as we encounter God, I believe that God wants us to understand, you know what? There is a joy that comes in the fear of the Lord. Because when we recognize, Lord, you are holy. God, you are perfect. God, you are righteous. God, there is no sin in you. God, you expect perfection. There's no compromise in you. All of a sudden, I'm like, okay, uh, I withdraw. I withdraw. Because I recognize I lack the resources in my own good efforts, in my own good intentions, in my own good works. And guess what happens when we pull back from trying to stand on our own two feet and on our own righteousness before God? When we say, I don't have those resources, guess what? The message of the gospel is that Jesus comes right there and says, I know you don't, but that's why I came. That's why the root of Jesse needed to sprout a branch. It was because I lack the righteousness. I lack the goodness. I lack the perfection. And you do too. And he came to bring that. Isn't that awesome? Unexpected gift of God. What about this one? An unexpected pedigree. I believe that we see in this passage that the entire tree is named after this guy named Jesse. And again, right, when I first asked, like, hey, who's heard of Jesse? we're like, Right? We don't know much about Jesse, but do you know one thing we do know about him? He fell short and he failed as a father. Why? Well, because when the prophet Samuel came to his house and said, hey, I need to have you introduce me to your sons, and I'm not sure even if he told him specifically what his purpose was. I don't think he did, but God had told him, go to the house of Jesse because one of his sons will be the next king of Israel. The king Saul had rejected God and ceased to, to truly walk in obedience to the Lord and God had said, okay, I'm gonna establish a new king. So he went to Jesse's house and in that time, Jesse as a dad, he didn't even bother getting David who was out in the fields watching the sheep. He's like, surely it's not him. So he had all the other sons parade in front of Samuel one by one. And, and every time they were you know big and, and built and whatever, looked more kingly. And one by one, God said, nope, not him. Nope, not him. Not him, not him. They got to the end of them, and it was kind of like this awkward, awkward moment, right? Like, what happened? God said no to all of them. But Samuel asked Jesse, he's like, you don't have any more? He said, well, I got one more, but sure, it's not him. He's like, that's it. Stop. We're not eating. We're not sitting down. We're not watching Netflix. I mean, go get your son from the field. Bring him here. And sure enough, when David came in, God said, this is the one. And God, in verse 7, we read this. God does not judge the way we judge. Because we look at what? The the outward appearance, the outside. But God looks at the heart. I believe we see that in this passage, that Jesse failed. And what did he do? He looked with his eyes. He looked at the outward appearance, even when it came to his own kids. Do we do that sometimes? Do we sometimes limit maybe our own kids or our own family because of the things that we see, rather than listening to what the Spirit of God is saying. Maybe that's a good reminder as parents, right? But here's, that's what he did. But here's what God says, you know what? I am very unexpected in the people I choose to include in my plan, and the people I choose to include in the very lineage of Jesus. Do you realize that, guys? Yes, Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and on that part, again, fully God, 100% God. But you also know Jesus was fully man. He was 100% man. And sometimes we forget that, that God actually went deep cover and began to plant the, the, the root of the Messiah hundreds or thousands, actually, of years before he was born. So he was fully a product of a human lineage as well as being conceived by the Holy Spirit. And God was pretty unexpected in the people that he chose to include, like Jesse, his dad. He's like, hey, you failed his dad? It's okay. I'm gonna actually name this whole tree after you. That's pretty cool. That's the God we serve, guys. No matter what we've done, no matter how we've fallen short, our God is able to be like, hey, I'm able to honor you and include you and use you and even have things grow from you that you never deserved, that you never expected, that you even stopped believing for because you believe the enemy's lies. But I'm a God who's bigger than that. I'm a God who's unexpectedly gracious, who's unexpectedly powerful, unexpectedly good. One more person, how did a prostitute eke her way into the family tree of Jesus? Huh, can we talk about that in church? I mean, talk about awkward, right? Rahab, this lady who's a full-on prostitute in the city of Jericho as God's people are coming out, you know, Joshua sends in the spies. It turns out she hides the spies, even though, you know, she was part of that city and part of that country or whatever, those people. She chooses to hide them. And listen to what she says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 11. She's telling them, we know God has given you the land. And we're melting with fear. And then she goes and says this For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Woo! Come on now. Somebody's having revival in their heart. Here's a lady who has lived, uh, can we say it, falling short of God's will? Lived a lifestyle steeped in sin and failure and compromise? But yet there's a moment when something inside of her comes alive. And these two spies come and she says, the Lord, your God is God. And God says, I heard that. I see that. I see, you, you're, you're, you're holding out your hand to me. You're opening your heart to me. I don't care if you're a woman back in that day. I don't care if you're a foreigner, not an Israelite back in that day. I don't care if you're a prostitute who's given your life to sin. My grace is unexpected. My love for you is greater than you can even understand. And guess what? Not only will I save your life because you put a scarlet cord out of your window and I caused your family and you to be saved from the attack of Joshua when they took over Jericho, but I will even include you in the line genetically in the lineage of my son, the perfect Messiah to be born. You find that in Matthew chapter one. We see her listed specifically. <laughs> Don't we serve an awesome God? I mean, he's not looking for perfect people. He's not even looking for like, okay, well, at least better than most people. Our God is able to incorporate anybody he chooses, right? It's kind of what does the 800-pound gorilla have for lunch? Whatever he wants, right? That's our God when it comes to including us in his purposes and his plans and even in the storyline of Jesus. What about this? I'll leave you with this one and we'll close Unexpected kingdom. I love this. We see there that it talks and it says uh, in verse four, uh, excuse me, verse three, uh, he will not judge by what he sees with his eyes, again, tying into even Jesse and how David had been looked upon by his own dad. But this this branch of the the stump of Jesse, will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. I love that. Here's the thing. I believe we find in the branch of Jesse, in our Messiah, in Jesus, whose birth we're celebrating this month and every day as believers, I believe we find an unexpected kingdom where there is justice and peace. An unexpected kingdom with justice and peace. Wow, in this last bit of 2020, would you agree with me, no matter what side of any given issue we're on, that there's been great turmoil in our nation, even about who our leaders are going to be, and about who is best equipped to provide some measure of justice or peace? even when it comes to wearing masks and not wearing masks and this and that and having your family for Thanksgiving or not having them. or I mean, man, woo, you can get as heated as you want if you you know, open your laptop or open your phone. You can find somebody to argue with and somebody to fight with and somebody to have disunity and strife and anything but peace with in 2020. Would you agree? Y'all living in the same kind of country or town that I am? But here's the thing, we're encouraged. God has given us a prophecy and a promise 700 years before the birth of Jesus, saying, you know what, I know it looks bad, but I'm sending my son who will rule with justice. And he will not decide by what he sees or what he hears and be influenced or deceived or manipulated, but he will rule with righteousness. He is worthy. He is the worthy king who will make things right, who will defend the poor and the needy and bring justice and this has been a year where we've, you know, talk about a year where we've heard the cries, whether it be for peace, for justice. Jesus is saying, hey, only in me. Only in me will you find those things. Only when I am king and you enter my kingdom will you begin to live in that reality. And the cool thing about this, guys, is that we don't have to wait for there and then to begin to live in that kingdom. But he is inviting us, hey, it's, it's, it's already, if you Bow your knee, bend your knee to my lordship, to my kingship. You can begin to experience my peace. You might not see justice everywhere out there, but you can begin to have it here. And you can begin to be my agent of justice. You can begin to, to give justice and mercy to those who need it and to bring peace to the situations that need it and to the hearts that need it most. Man, God's inviting us, and he's saying, man, if you... Uh, if you're open, this is what I came to bring. Unexpected peace, unexpected justice. Receive it like never before. In the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, which, you know, one of the good things about having COVID, by the way, hello from the other side. Uh, not trying to make light, obviously, of a very serious situation. We know that many, many tragic things are happening around it. But, um, but my wife and I, thankfully, had what was a probably a milder version of it, uh, the last uh, whatever month, and um, and one of the things you get to do is is watch TV, with the blessing of like the pastor of the church and the bishop and everybody's like no no stay home, you don't have to do anything just just be. So we watched quite a bit of TV and one of the things I did is go back and rewatch the Chronicles of Narnia movies and even listen to an audiobook of, of one of the other ones that's not a movie yet. And, and in, the, in the, uh, "The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe," there is uh, how many of you guys have, have you guys seen that movie or? So you remember, there's a place where the, uh, the lion that represents Jesus, because it's written as an allegory the lion that represents Jesus uh, comes into this place, and there's a witch that has tormented the land and kept it under a spell for many, many years. And these four kids make their way through a magic closet into this land, and one of them actually betrays his siblings and goes and, and lines up with the witch because she promises to make him a a prince in this land. And so all of a sudden it comes to a climax where uh, uh, the witch comes and says, you know it, Aslan the lion, you know that the magic, the deep magic from the beginning of time says that any traitor's blood belongs to me. And the other siblings are like, oh no, 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 I hope Aslan doesn't, and Aslan goes, yeah, you're right. And so he works out a deal privately where in the middle of the night, he goes away into the witch's camp. He gets on a stone table. He allows them to shave his mane. He allows them to bind him with cords. And ultimately, the witch takes a knife and sacrifices him and kills him. And the two girls that are watching from behind the trees are weeping and crying. And they don't know what to do. And they don't know what the future looks like at that point. And they start to walk away. And all of a sudden, they hear a cracking sound and a bolt of lightning. They look back and the stone table upon which the lion had been is now broken. The lion is gone and they're still wondering what happened and all of a sudden they hear a roar and Aslan comes walking towards them. He's alive, he's resurrected, he's full of power and glory, his mane is back and he tells them this, yes, it was true what the witch said that the deep magic from the beginning of the dawn of time was that a traitor's blood belongs to her. But let me tell you what she didn't know, that there is a deeper magic from before the dawn of time that says that one who, when one who is innocent lays down his life for one who is guilty, death cannot hold them, and life will come back in them and they will be made whole again. And so here's what I believe that God is telling us in this passage. There's a little final twist, and I'm closing with this. In Revelation chapter 22, it's the last chapter of the Bible, very last chapter of the Bible. You know, we're reading all of this in Isaiah 11, and we're like, okay, Jesse is the root, you know, this kind of failed father, mediocre kind of guy. And then, of course, David, and God made a promise to David and fulfilled it in Jesus, the Messiah, who'd be the ruler. But, but it still seems kind of odd, like, so Jesse is, is the root? I mean, right? Jesus makes a twist in Revelation 22, verse 16, where he is describing himself, and he says this, I am the root and the offspring, we've, we've been talking about him being the shoot off of that stump, but he says, I am the root and the offspring of David. I believe God is saying, just like Aslan was telling those children, there's a deeper magic from before the beginning of time. He was saying, hey, maybe you think your story begins in failure with Jesse and that he's the root of your life and you're trying to see what comes of that, but I want you to know a little secret. I am actually the root of Jesse. Before Jesse even was making those failures as a dad in David's life, I was already there before that. Before that trial in your life began that has caused so much pain, I was already there. I already saw it. I already knew. I was already getting ready to walk through it with you. I was already getting ready to minister my peace to you. I was, I was watching over you. even when you didn't see me and when you didn't feel me, I was breathing comfort. I was breathing hope. I was breathing life on your heart that threatened to freeze over. And I believe God wants to encourage us this Christmas season that, man, he is the God who's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega. He's not just the shoot that's gonna bring life to your story, but he indeed is the true root of David. He is the true root of jesse be encouraged by that let's live this month in expectation and we're going to look in the weeks ahead at the ways in which we've been grafted into this incredible family tree of jesus and the privilege that comes with that but uh, let's live in expectation and hope and bring that joy to others let's pray god thank you so much for this month that we get to focus on the coming of jesus our messiah lord where would we be without you Lord, everything that we are, all of the joy and hope and life that we have is only because of you. And God, I pray, Lord, if there's someone here or watching online, participating right now or at any point in the future that is struggling to see that hope, that literally is looking at their life as just a dead stump and and has believed the whisper that said, you're done, God's done with you, there is no more hope, that's it. Lord, I pray that you would spark hope right now in the name of Jesus and that you would whisper in the way only you can that good things are in store, that you are watching over us not for judgment and in anger, but that the delight of the fear of the Lord when we see your great love and mercy for us, you're the one who included the prostitute, you included so many others, Lord, and you're wanting to include us. Let our hearts be filled with expectation doing us what you'd have, what you want to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Hey, quick reminder, uh, as we are dismissed, please go into our coffee bar and visit the angel tree table. Let's grab as many of those kiddos, uh, angels, and uh, and make sure they are blessed and covered. Pastor Dan, is there anything else? Pretzel. Free pretzel, that's right. Go scan, get free pretzel. Cam and I also had ours last night is delicious that's all i can say is delicious god bless you guys merry christmas happy december to you enjoy the rest of your weekend